Hey guys, welcome to Fashion School Dropout. Today's guest is fashion stylist Jamar Hart, who is originally from Detroit and is now making his name here in Los Angeles as a stylist. He styled the lights of Beyonce, Mrs. Tina Lawson, Vanessa Simmons, Neo, Busta Rhymes, just to name a few. So welcome to the podcast, Jamar. Hello, thanks for having me. Of course. So you style some amazing people, as I just mentioned, but take us back to the beginning. How did you get your start in the fashion industry being a guy from Detroit, which is a place not really known for its fashion scene? Yeah, um, I've been living in Los Angeles for about four years now. And I started styling and personal shopping for up-and-coming artists and models in Detroit. And my personal shopping experiences led me into being the stylist that I am today and working with, like, so many different people. After I knew that I outgrew Detroit, I just felt like it was time for a change. I just felt like it was time for a change, and I traveled back and forth to Los Angeles during the summertime and then I officially moved like in 2014 mm-hmm. and I just assisted like some celebrity stylists just to get my feet wet and see what's going on in Los Angeles because I'm like coming from Detroit is like whoa like Whole these, new world. these stylists out here have office and they have <laughs> assistants I was I'm thinking I'm doing something in Detroit like I get out here I'm like oh I gotta step it up yeah. so um no ego involved. I knew that I had to shadow people for free and get to know the game. So I built my portfolio and worked with different models and photographers to build my book and portfolio. Um, and I made sure that I had connections to pull from. Because if you don't have any um, pull connections, you can't style anyone. Sadly. Like the clothes would just come out, appear from the air. So, uh... It's been a long journey, and I've learned so many things styling. I've tapped into so many different gifts just by believing in myself when it came to that. I knew that I had to have a certain level of confidence for my clients to love and feel comfortable and feel sure within themselves Mm -hmm. when I pick their look and put it together. So... I'm here in LA now and I'm ready to continue to kick down doors for my men and my women who want to come through the styling game. I'm one of the the main leading fires and I got a team of dope stylists around Los Angeles that I collaborate with. You know, Brittany being one of them and many more. Like, (laughs) I feel like you just need to just spread the love. All right. So you're ready to make... Make that name here in L.A. I'm ready to make that name and, and make that legacy here. I hear that. Not only L.A., the world. In the world. The world. Yes. I'm, I'm thinking big, Think, baby. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. So did you always know that you wanted to be a stylist? Because all my life, I just knew I wanted to be America's next top fashion designer <laughs> until I actually did an internship at a design house and I realized that I hated it. So oh, <laughs> like most people, I didn't even know that telling people what to wear was a career option. So how did you know this is what you want to do? I feel like we're millennials. Mm-hmm. We can create our own job titled occupations now. Um, you can be a nail tech, you can be... A, a visual merchandiser is like you can whatever you're great at just create your own lane um i never in a million years would have thought that i would be doing fashion i always had a nice eye though i do know that like at a young age my mom and my father they would take me shopping 
and I was just looking, I was sitting back, and I was like, my brothers are spending all their money at the mall. I want to go clearance rack and use my taste and pick pieces that may be a little bit less than the average pieces that are in the mall that you see every day. And I can mix it in. So I started at a young age. So when it came time to me to like figure out what I wanted to be in the world, I want to say like my early 20s, I was like uh, throwing events in Detroit just to make money, just to get by. You know, everyone was doing it. It was like a whole thing. And I end up personal styling and I was like, Oh my God, this works. One day, I made an email, and I was like, I I need to do something different. Everyone is catching on to like bringing celebrities to Detroit mm-hmm. for a party, putting their name on it. It's getting watered down. I've created an email, and I was just praying like, I don't know what I'm doing. I know I'm trying to try this fashion thing. I want to see how this works out, and. <laughs> wow, man, I'm just laughing at so many things. Um, I created the email, and I woke up to like 25 different emails. What was this email? I post I post a few pictures on my Instagram. Yeah. And said to inquire about these pieces, email me. Oh. I I can get them for you. So people, it was like around Memorial Day, and people were were going out of town, and they needed to be fresh. Mm-hmm. So I had like. Gucci belts, I had uh, Prada shoes, like different pieces, like six different pieces. And I was like, oh my God, like these people are really inquiring. I didn't think they were going to hit me up. So you never know who's watching you and watching your style and just waiting for a product to be there for to support you, you know? So now I'm thinking like, I have to figure out how I'm going to get the money from these people, get their product, get their sizes, get it back to them. Like, now this is a whole business. Now it's real. This is transactions, <laughs> like receipts and everything happening. So, like, someone from Miami sent me money through Western Union and MoneyGram. Mm-hmm. And I sent them their shoes back because they couldn't find their size. And I made sure I let them know how much I was getting for finding that and why that's called personal shopping because I'm doing personal shopping services for you and that's how I really started that's how I really became a stylist like that's how the personal shopping the whole thing came together so essentially was it like luxury resale it was luxury resale before basically. it before was a I thing actually, before yeah. it was a thing I just called it personal shopping yeah. and then people actually needed help putting these pieces that I found for mm-hmm. them together and that's what led me into styling and so I'm like now I'm not only buying these pieces for everyone, I have to style them. And sometimes I would never meet the people that I'm shopping for. So I would have to go do um, like a Skype or a FaceTime or send pictures back and forth for them to try it on. And some people didn't know their sizes. So I was dealing with all that crashed a few times when I first started, you know, and sometimes you still crash today, but you know what? get insurance (laughs) (laughs) it's all a learning lesson (laughs) it's all a learning lesson like my insurance I just pray I'd be like I'm gonna be okay I got full coverage insurance because I'm blessed baby (laughs) so you just put faith in it I put faith that's Mm -hmm. that's one thing that does drive me every day even when it gets hard Mm -hmm. like I never have a point like nowadays where I don't believe in myself Mm -hmm. um every no matter what I'm going through I can't take that to work because it's not only going to affect me, it's going to affect my environment and my client yeah. and the art. So I have to um, 
after practice, after practice, just meditating and controlling my air. Now, that's important, too, because as a stylist, like, you really got to be on point all, at all times, and your energy can really reflect on your client. So if you're not feeling your best self, then that your client might be like, okay, like, is something wrong with me? Yeah. And that might just turn snowball into, like, a whole other issue. Energy is everything. It's yes. important. You have to be positive when yes. you're coming into the game because you're... You're already running back and forth. You're dealing with traffic. You're mm-hmm. dealing with pieces not fitting. Like, you have to have a sound mind. You have to be strong in this game. People think that it's actually easy to just be a stylist, but you go through so many things. You take so many hits and blows mm-hmm. that your client will never know. I don't think your client needs to know everything. Yeah. Just stress to them that... I came through a windstorm <laughs> to bring you these dresses. That's like. what I'm saying. Like, it may really be raining and, I'm, and I still have to come. Like, yeah. what's up? Like, make sure I'm good. Yeah. I always got to show up. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Do the job. Mm-hmm. No excuses. None. So, from essentially luxury resale to personal shopping, how did you transition from doing that to styling big celebrities? Like, was that always the end goal for you? Or were you like, I'll just start and see where I end up? You know what? That was the angle for me. I just mm. wanted to style celebrities. And the more I got into it, I was like on the outside looking in. Because when I first moved to LA, I'm like, oh, I just need to get like all these celebrity clientels. And I need to just style everyone. I was really missing the point. Like, what are you doing with the styling? Once you style a celebrity, what are you going to do with them and their look? Like, is are you just in it to get money? Or are you in it to like inspire people and build a legacy mm. like the more I grew into styling like I became to love it even more it's not even it wasn't even something that I like to do it doesn't feel like a job anymore I feel like if I can't style I'll be feeling it's like something's missing like if I can't do something fashion based I, I don't think I'll be happy like truly happy yeah, that's inspiring. It shows that it's a true passion because a lot of people, they say, oh, I want to be stylist. I love fashion. I love clothes. But that's not enough at the end of the day. Like you said, if you go through, if you have obstacles or go through things, like that passion is what's going to keep you going because yeah. liking clothes is not enough to survive <laughs> in this industry. <laughs> right. Yeah, so switching gears just a little bit, one of the biggest issues in the industry right now is the issue of low and unpaid work, and I think a lot of creatives in general can relate, but especially in fashion. So there's this thing about paying your dues, but at the same time, if you live in LA or New York, you gotta pay some bills too. So what are your thoughts on that whole thing? Like, Do you still think paying your dues is relevant, or are the lines becoming blurred now with social media since everyone can put in their bio that they're a stylist um what do you think about that i feel like you actually if i could compare my job to anything when it comes to fighting for your creativity and fighting for like how you just come through and like you your work should speak for itself i feel like it's becoming like the video girls do you remember, like, in the early, the early 2000s, 2000s yeah. it was, like, they this were big thing. everything. Like, it was this big thing, like, oh, the Melissa Forge. And mm-hmm. it was just, like, the girls that were doing the videos for free yeah. were taking away money from the ones who actually, that was their real job. Mm-hmm. You know, like, being a... Some Buffy like, the Body. Being, like, being a, <laughs> <laughs> right. Being a stylist, like, every day, I have to fight yeah. to make sure that I get paid. And, and you know, 
everything like from my designers getting tagged that everything is proper protocol and I have to make sure that my clients and my up and coming clients understand where I'm coming from mm -hmm. and how important it is to make sure that I'm taken care of so they can be taken care of because the harder that you make it for me it's not going to be easy for you because I'm stressing out over things that I shouldn't be when you know how things should be ran people think as a stylist that you just have like oh I'm a size six and then I may be an eight. Um, I want this gold dress with sparkles and some feathers on it. And I want a dope Louboutin shoe. And then I'm like, okay, what's the budget? What budget? I'm like, the same budget that you would go to the mall and buy these things with. I'm the person that's creating these looks. Yeah. I'm going to need a budget for the pre-production, the production, and the post. Right. That means going and picking everything up, putting down my card, putting down my name, Putting down my brand on these pieces. That means creating what the mood board is supposed to be, creating the vision, executing everything that we did, that we were supposed to be doing. And the post is to making sure no buttons, no rips, no stains, um, dry cleaning, and everything is returned how you got it in the first place. So those are some of the hits and the blows that we take. And you can't just go to your client and be like, I want 1500 or I want $3,000. But you have to let people know. If you be up front with people and let them know what they're paying for, mm -hmm. there should be no miscommunication. It's either you don't want to spend the money and you may not like my work, or you can just go to the mall and do it yourself. Exactly. It's like, but that's the, mis that's the disconnect sometimes when people, I don't know what I'm paying for. Gas time, creativity, a look, and execution. Mm -hmm. That's what you're paying for. Just like your makeup artist is doing your makeup, just like your hairstylist or your barber is doing your hair. And I think it's really crazy how people just expect stylists to work for free off the bat. Like, they don't even, unless you bring up a budget, most you, of the time, they're not going to yeah, say anything. You, you know it's what? It's crazy. That's why, that's what a consultation is for. Yes. You come up with the looks, you see if you guys vibe, mm -hmm. you do a fitting, um, you exchange mood boards and come up with one so there can be like a clear, solid vision. People often use, let's do the first one free. That can be the first and last time that you're working with that client. Yeah. So it's like you have to pick and choose if that's going to be beneficial or for you. Or let's collab. If you do something, yeah, if you <laughs> let's do a test. If you do something like that, a lot of times those relationships end up becoming something great. And then sometimes you get used. So it's kind of like you got to take the good yeah. with the bad. You, you really, really have to choose. have discernment and know what's really going to be beneficial for you. And it's yeah. not just having the attitude of, Oh, I'm all about myself. But there's a lot of people that's like that. So how do you protect yourself in a world of people who think like that and mm -hmm. fabricate the truth? You know, like, you know you can pay me, so why say a test? You know, like, you're not... They're you just know trying to see, can I get... Can I get this for free? Yeah, like, people are going, people are going to try it. Mm -hmm. and, there, and then there's actually people who really can't afford that, but they really want to collaborate with you. So it's like, I don't... I'd be, I'm very choosy on who I work with with the pro bono world and I did a lot of that when I first started styling and I feel like it came to a point to where I didn't have to do that anymore mm -hmm. I can't because um, Hollywood will put you on a list of free 
you know, like there's a list of, oh, you're a stylist, you're going to do it for free. So when it comes time for you to get paid, people are like, no, you've been styling all of them for free. <laughs> so it has to come to a point where you stop and you charge. Even if you're not getting any business, create your content on the low. You're a creative director. Create your own content. And I love that you said that, too. Like, there has to be a point where you pick and choose um, pro bono gigs. If it might turn out to be an amazing opportunity that skyrockets your career, then by all means. But you got to be aware of people who just want to use you. Yeah. So... Yeah, on a related note, I was reading an article, I believe it was Business of Fashion, um, with celebrity stylists who we all know and respect talking about how they've had to lower their rates because um, record companies or studios or TV networks, depending on who their client is, they've been slashing budgets dramatically, kind of like how you gave that video girl example because now there's a influx of stylists everywhere. So I think there is a shift happening in the industry with social media and the age that we're living in, but it's unfortunate because there's a lot of quote-unquote stylists out there on Instagram who are willing to style for free. Yes. And or style celebrities for free for clout or for followers. So this does cause issues for I don't want to say the real stylist, but you know the real stylist yeah. whose livelihood depends on this. So what do you say to that? Like, do you think social media is changing the game positively, or if so, like, do you think you know is it for the better or the worse? I just feel like you have to. It depends on what angle you want it to be mm. like you can focus on the worst you can fo- you can know that it's there and you can just focus on the positive i take that route yes like since i know that there's people doing that that just means i have to stick to my guns even more and i have to let you know while you're paying while you paying what you're paying and i have to then i have my portfolio so you know why you're hiring me you know why we work together i have to execute your look you know and that gets hard that gets so hard. Yeah. Social media is really changing so, the game. Social media is because there's so many it's so many people who aren't stylists. Yeah. Like you can be a best friend of a celebrity and then <laughs> you like got thirty K mm-hmm. and you just call yourself a stylist, but you're not styling nobody but yourself. Like all the photos of Are <laughs> you, um, you selfies? Like, and then you're an influencer <laughs> and it's like what are you influencing? Yeah. Because I use my platform, and I know it's growing daily. You know, I have like 13K, and I've been engaging with my, my, my fans and, and my people who support me, yeah. and it's like so many people who look up who look up to me, and so many people who look up to me, and I'm like, wow, I didn't know so many people looked at me when it came to fashion, so I really have to watch how I, watch what I put out into mm-hmm. the universe, you know? It's a brand now. It's a brand, like yeah. you, you become a brand. And it, and it's bigger than just being in the club popping bottles and just being flashy. Um, you're influencing people. You're influencing people, and I just I've just been using my influence to do great things in the community. Far as I just uh, for Christmas, it was a foundation by the name of Hot Healing, and um, they basically had a makeover for like less fortunate children, um, underprivileged teens, people with chronic illness, like cancer and different things like that, they were able to get makeovers. I saw that in your yes. story. Yeah, it was so nice that touched my that's heart. That's really all admirable. I wanted to do. I'm like, that's my Christmas gift to myself. Oh, wow. We end up collaborating. So like celebrity stylists, celebrity makeup artists, hairstylists, barbers, DJs, um, photographers, 
lent their time to like a hundred children. And it was amazing. We had like racks of clothing. They got their own shopping bag. They can shop the racks. They got a personal consultation from us, a fitting. And then they went and got their makeup done, their hair done, their nails done. And then they came for, to us for styling. And then they did a photo shoot. Wow. That was so amazing. Like Milk Studios was so lit that day. I was like, see, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Bringing awareness in the world. Like there were children who had like low self-esteem. Like I've dealt with that before we all have. I used to be overweight when I was younger. You no know, what I just way. I, no seriously, I start thin I started thinning out when I got like twelve years old, but I'm like, I can't fit anything. So you know how they <laughs> I were was feeling. Big, yes, and I love to eat, so I was just smashing <laughs> food left and right. Like I can't stop oh, eating and my clothes won't fit. <laughs> then I, so you know, I was able to relate, and people would never know that. You know, I'm confident enough, and I've been yeah, through so much. You're so confident you know, and outgoing. I worked on I that through, never I worked on that throughout the years, and it's not coming from an arrogant place. Yeah. It's coming from I know what I've been through. Mm-hmm. You know, so when to see a child like that and nobody to talk to, you don't have to have family by your side for you to have someone to talk to. You're supposed to be, but us as men and women, we're supposed to be uplifting people of all ages. So I talked to one of those children and we were kicking it and he wasn't really feeling some of the looks that I was pulling. And I was like, hold on. I, I just got some celebrities. You don't like my looks? Like, I was like, what you trying to say, so your son? toughest client was right, a kid. I was like, you, like, you turning me down? You ain't even give me a chance. No, but um, for <laughs> So he, um, he told me, he was basically, he basically told me, I don't really feel comfortable in um, a lot of different pieces because I never go shopping and I don't like my body type. So I told him, I'm like, what? I said, you're still growing. I was like, you don't know I said? Did anybody ever tell you they don't like you? He said, yeah. I was like, do, do not let anyone tell you anything is wrong with you. I said, if somebody tell you something's wrong with you, you have to then, you have to then sit back and think out of all the things they could have told me, nice and bad, they chose the negative. Something's wrong with them and they don't like themselves. Mm-hmm. I said, never think that anything is wrong with you because people who are insecure and hate themselves, they lash out on beautiful people and tear them down for no apparent reason. So I feel like I got put on earth to be in this in that moment to even talk to that kid. I went through some of the same similar things, a whole different walk from like coming from Detroit, coming to LA and being able to um talk and touch these children was amazing and that's what I'm using that's what I'm going to continue to use my platform for that's the only reason I'm really in fashion if it takes for people if it takes for me being flashy and wearing some of the hottest labels and being around some of the dopest yeah, I saw celebrities you in that fur coat on your Instagram yeah like, <laughs> like I'm, a, oh, I'm a rock of fur yeah I'm a rock of fur all the way up into the spring baby yeah. like that's you know Motown is, <laughs> We're going to yes. get to that. But, uh, <laughs> if I have to take that attention and and turn it and put it on with the negative things that are going on in the mm-hmm. world that we can really help, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, that's incredible. Always. And you mm-hmm. have a purpose. You know your purpose. Yes. And you're going full force on that. So while we're still on the topic of social media... Um, the fashion industry, as most industries, is becoming more open and inclusive. Would you agree? 
It is. Yes. So, you know, and given, I would say, black people more credit for the influence that we've had on style and trends, which is crazy that it's taken so long, but I feel like social media is partly to thank for opening up the doors of this once closed off, secretive, elitist industry. But what I really wanted to ask you is one of the few, if only straight black men in this industry (laughs) that I know... (laughs) What has that experience been like for you? Like, do you feel like you've had to try hard to prove yourself or overcome any obstacles? You know what? That is a huge question because I've dealt with some things. Um, just been in the industry, been like an attractive. Like, no, I'm serious. You're like, I'm what? so handsome. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, you know, not not me to uh, my own world, but I'm uh, going to toot it and boot it. Oh my but, uh, god! And keep it suited. Uh, <laughs> Maybe my swag isn't diluted. Uh, <laughs> Let me stop. But um, I've run into some obstacles, like just because people may find you attractive, they automatically think that you're going to have to do something to get a job. Never that. No uh, one's going to ever step. So them thinking that you want them to. Be like on the casting couch? Yeah, sometimes, no, I'm serious. Sometimes that happens. Like, people just. (laughs) (laughs) I've worked with, I've worked with, I've worked with some women and and envelopes have been pushed, but you know, I I kept it professional, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, we're here to do a job, let's just do that. You know, it's already a lot of that going around with the whole Me Too. Uh, movement. I'm already a nice guy, and sometimes that can go left. You know, I'm not. I'm not flirting. I'm just. I'm just Being already. A friendly guy. Yeah, I'm just, that's just my personality. Yeah. So, I love to have fun. I love to be positive, and sometimes people take that the wrong way, but that's okay. You just have to make reassure them that, that we we're working, and um, no tea here, all water. You know, so we're gonna keep it flowing. <laughs> we're, we're gonna keep it flowing, and we're back. <laughs> but um, no, like so, sometimes it's easy, and sometimes it has been harder for me because even though I'm a talented person, people mm-hmm. won't take me seriously. Like I feel like they think because you're great at what you do, if you have a great eye, I'm supposed to have like this really flamboyant style mm-hmm. or over the top just persona yeah and i'm and i'm really like creative and fun but i'm still laid back at the mm-hmm. same time like i'm not i don't knock anyone that does that but i i have my own style so i don't dress like maybe your typical stylist right like i'm i may not have a you were in black on black like yeah no, like i classic. like to keep it simple and like pop it with detail and pop it with a little color you know mm-hmm. like classic looks me personally um so i can go a little crazier with my clientele yeah not with my personal style, so you never want to look better than your clients. You don't, but if that happens, then you just have to find that balance because I'm not about to underdress myself because <laughs> my client <laughs> to make is. A, you feel I better. want to make sure my client yeah. is really popping and lit in their lane. I have to dress how I dress mm-hmm. to express myself. I can't. I can't hold that back, but I'm not going to do it on purpose. You yes. know what I mean? I get what you're saying. Like, like, I'm not about to just show them. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get you dressed and have you looking a little mediocre, but then I'm going to pop <laughs> off on my style that's going to be through the door, and then I'm just going to steal the show. That's not what I right. ever do. I always make my client look like it's their birthday 
or New Year's. It's a new you, you know? Shed the skin, baby. It's in. <laughs> I love it. So you're all about making fe- people feel better about themselves and feel yeah, good, feel positive. That really goes back to self-esteem. Yes. And self-esteem is a really big issue with all communities, mm-hmm. not just, you know, the black community. Um, we deal with those, a lot of things that are compressed from a childhood age. Yeah. So if I can make someone feel better about themselves by dressing to par and expressing themselves through colors and fashion and accessories, I feel like that's one of my one of, one of my many gifts that I put at the forefront. There's going to be other gifts that I'm going to tap into that I'm, that's going to roll out throughout the year, but yeah. fashion is... Fashion is is one of my little, my babies, you know? (laughs) No, and I love that you brought that up, too, because I completely agree. When I was, you know, I I got bullied a lot in, like, the middle school, high school um, ages. I did, too. And that really, like... I had a unibrow. No, I did. (laughs) No, real talk. Like, I had a unibrow, so, like, I would be like, yo, (laughs) baby. (laughs) I would be like, yo, I like you, like... Oh, you and you know, got shot down because of the unibrow. Like, oh, Jamar, you're cute, but I don't like your unibrow. <laughs> but that's fixable, but, though. But I didn't know it was going to be fixable. I had, like, long eyelashes, <laughs> thick eyebrows. Like, I had dark features like yeah. I do now. And I would get teased about that. And my mom was like, no, you have beautiful eyelashes. Your eyebrows are beautiful. Women are going to love them. Yeah. And then my, now we get an eyelash extension to look like you. I went, <laughs> I went through puberty, and my the unibrow went away. I don't know what happened. My head got a little bigger and my face spread it. It spread out. But it was cool. (laughs) And it was funny because all the girls who was like, um, good. It's like, hold on. Ooh, you in high school. Yo. Uh Uh-uh. Back then, dead woman. Now I'm hot. Don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you didn't give them the time of day because. Nope. I hit the flex button. Okay. There we go. (laughs) Flex button is when you stab somebody and push them to the back of the line. Right. You didn't want me last year, so. No, no. <laughs> well, right now, I would say um, you're at a pretty good place in your career. I'm happy. Yes. But, you know, we've all made rookie mistakes when we're just starting out, and no one really likes to talk about it. But if you can go back to when you first started out, what would you tell yourself to be prepared for? I would tell myself to be prepared prepared for the worst and be prepared for the best. Mm. Um, they both come hand in hand. I feel like you can't expect everything just to be 100% perfect all the time. You have to know, you have to go into the situations that you're going to go into in your career and life period and just know that it's beautiful. But you have to be prepared to, like, when things don't go your way, you can't get frustrated. Um, there are going to be times that you that you will get frustrated. You just have to deal with that and train your mind. I like to read to, like, calm myself down and get my mind organized because I always have so much different things. Like today, I got a style panel. I had to style a client. I had to go pull right after this. Or I had to go pull right after the, the style panel. Like now I'm doing an interview, yeah. you know, it's like it doesn't stop, and I have to find time for myself. I don't know self care, self care that's yeah. important too. So, like, when I can, I just read to like mm-hmm. to keep my my energy at like a happy place mm-hmm. because because it could become a lot in yeah, this industry. I like to pray, and that keeps me whew, 
I'll be praying for myself and people. <laughs> I'll be like, I pray for you, I pray for you for yes. me not to do anything uh. to you. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you tried it like three times. You tried it. But I'm gonna be an adult about these situations. But it's all about having um doing everything with grace and knowing that um that court fees are real. And you have Wait, what, <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> no, I'm talking about just like, you know uh, what? Just like <laughs> When you get stressed out, you start popping off sometimes. Oh like, my you know, god! Don't tell me per- you don't catch a case. Not me personally, but you—you you may go through some things. <laughs> like your Uber might drive off with like twenty oh. k worth of furs, mm-hmm. or like you know your shoes, and you like hold on, I'm a, yeah. I have two trips. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of people. They think you're from Detroit, so a lot of people think that you gotta live in LA or New York to make it in the fashion industry. Do you think like these are the only places, or if not, what advice would you give to someone who's still in Detroit or in a non-fashion city on how they can start their styling career? I would say do a lot of research and figure out what works best for you. Like, where do you like the cold better? Do you like the heat? Um, I feel like Los Angeles and New York are some of the biggest fashion capitals. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's put out there because they're like, that's where everybody go. Everybody go, gravitates to those two. I was originally going to go to New York before I moved to Los Angeles. But coming from Detroit, I didn't really want to deal with the cold, even though mm-hmm. I could. I just wanted a different climate. I can think like it's hot outside and the wintertime it's only raining. It's not really snowing. And that, ha- that puts me in a different creative space. So before I actually moved to Los Angeles, I visited New York and then I went to, I didn't have enough coins to go to Paris yet. I was still researching on that, but I went to LA like a good two to three times. And I was like, hmm, I really, I really wish I could be bi-coastal, but I have to pick one home now. That jet set life. Yeah, the jet set life. So I, I chose Los Angeles and I feel like that was the most, that decision made the most sense for me at that time, I feel like if I would have went to New York, I feel like I would have still had like that hustle, 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 hustle mentality. Is that type of city? Yeah, it's like it's like it's like a rat race mm-hmm. more to like LA is a little bit more laid back. You can grow, you can peep the scene, you can see, you can see everybody else is like New York is like, what are we doing here? Yeah. What can you do for me? Are you on set? <laughs> I'm busy. It's yeah. like it's straightforward. It's more cutthroat. Yes. So L.A. is, if you have a gift of discernment, you can kind of weed out the fakes, mm-hmm. you know, and the, it's really fabricated, but you just have to just have that eye just to know, like, trust yourself and trust your vibes. Yeah. Like, that's going to really be important on your journey because sometimes you can't, you can't ask someone that you're supposed to be, you can't, you can't ask someone a question that you're supposed to be asking yourself, mm-hmm. you know, that you already know. Because you you may not get the right advice, so you really just have to believe in yourself and trust yourself and protect your magic to the fullest degree, you know. Because like there's a lot of empty souls roaming around Los Angeles that are very beautiful. There's a very, there's a lot of beautiful demons running around Los Angeles wow. and ready to suck you dry at any moment that you're not on your A game. So especially in Hollywood. Yes, um, watch your team. Mm-hmm protect your team if you all are on the same the same uh page and you guys are a unit it's very it's it's very important
And I also want to add, it also depends on what type of styling that you want to do. Like you said, you want to style celebrities. So yeah. LA is the perfect place it's for that. It's the perfect place. Yeah. I just wanted to get put into that to that realm. Mm-hmm. And But the behind the scenes and the productions, I've always wanted to just be like, okay, like I'm the one behind the scenes that's building this look up. And then I get to just see my, see my production like just come to life. Like that was like amazing for me. And I end up doing like a lot of editorials mm-hmm. for like a whole two years I was just addicted to doing editorials and I was like I need publications I need publications and that that actually had me going into creative direction I would have to direct how this shoot is supposed to be like the photographer has to be right the model has to be right the makeup artist and the hairstylist is supposed to be right and the you clothes, were choosing all those people. yes I was choosing all of those we were coming together and creating passion projects and I'm like whoa I'm Hold on, wait, I'm cheating myself. I'm just calling myself a stylist, but I'm more than that, you know? Not only am I an influencer, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a man of God. I'm a fashion stylist. I'm a personal shopper. Sometimes I will come on set to style and end up booking a gig to be the model. Like, that's happened to me a few times. Like, I'm, I'm, I want to style for New York fashion. They're like, no, we, we, we like your styling, but we like your look, too. So that's a whole nother thing. Oh, so be able to turn it into like a whole other gig. Yes, like that's uh, incredible. Last year, I walked my first New York Fashion Week. What? Congratulations! Yes, for, yes thank you for um, defend Brooklyn out of New York. That's... Shout out to my guy Al. He's he has a store called Defend Brooklyn in Soho. Go check him out in New York. All right. <laughs> yeah, and I also. I remember you styled for the BT experience, didn't you? Yes, I what, styled one of the for fashion the, shows. Yes, I styled for the BT experience, and um, it was so crazy because I'm, I was, I'm working on pieces now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm coming out with a small capsule really, really soon, you guys. So be on the lookout okay. for that. But I didn't have any of my own designs yet, so I was just working with design, independent designers, and just different showrooms. So I was like. I got approached to be a, a designer, but really the first stylist on everyone else's designer and the only stylist on here. And I'm like, I only have a week to to pick 12 looks oh and to come God. up with a story. So I had to break 12 models in three different stories. So I did, I reached out to a bunch of different people from out of town that I work with personally, and they sent me pieces. I worked with the different showrooms and I created these amazing looks I did like clear and blacks and grays going into all black and then going into color that sounds so and it was dope. so nice and I was able to help some of my designers out like um B. James mm-hmm. Dunya um shout out Dunya yeah shout out Dunya I was able to get some of their pieces featured in the BET experience and they didn't even know until they came out with apparel news wow. and I was like what is going on? Like, I just work with Miss Tina Lawson and her Wilbur Art Gala. Like, I have my own fashion show. You so many amazing things. I'm like, my pieces aren't out yet. I'm like, God is really coming through. Like, when you put good karma out there, you always going to get it back. But when you least expect it, and that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. I can just soak in that moment and know that I helped someone, so I'm getting helped. You know? And it's okay to ask for help because you can't do everything on your own. No, for sure. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how that gig came about, because I think people are always curious as, about how do you get huge gigs like the BT experience, if you don't know, is 
the event leading up to the BET Awards yeah. every June, mm-hmm. and a bunch of people go to the LA Convention Center, and it's just huge. So how did you land that? Um, that basically happened from working with Miss Tina Lawson, actually, and working with her team. And um, some of the stylists reached out to me who were in charge, mm-hmm. and they were like, we want a male designer. And I was like, well, I'm a stylist. They was like, okay, so you're going to be the first stylist on this panel. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh I've never done this before. So there was a lot of pressure, and I just believed in myself, and I got through it. I get a lot of my work off word of mouth. Like I used to when I first started, book me, book me, book me, mm-hmm. book me. But it's like I don't think that's professional. You have to go about that in a, in a certain way. Like maybe um, I have appointments available. Mm-hmm. That's more um, discreet. Business. Yeah, it's more discreet yeah. business savvy. So, um I always get a lot of referrals when I work on sets with different makeup artists and different photographers. They pass my my name along, and then um, the client may come on my Instagram and see some of my work, and then it's like send you to my management, and then we're doing we we reach out to me, and I like the project, and it works, and then we're creating magic. Like let's go. That's how I get a lot of my business. Like, so you so just said I must be doing something right, right. about like if I'm getting all these referrals, and then I feel like. I can't let the person who referred me down, mm-hmm. my brand or myself or the client that I'm working with, and sometimes it ends up, they may not live here, and every time they come back, they contact me, and they do. They may live in Los Angeles, and then they end up becoming a client of mine, you know? It's all about keeping those connections. Yeah. And I always say networking is the key in the fashion industry. It really is. Yeah. Um, it's all about who you know and who knows you. And you always, you never want to burn bridges. Mm-hmm. If you if you make some mistakes, it's okay. You just have to clean up your mess. You have to clean up your mess to continue to be blessed. Because you don't want to burn all your bridges and you don't have any bridge to walk over. When you really need people, you know? So I, um, I tend to really make sure I keep solid and healthy relationships with my designers and just the people that I work with and just be very transparent. It may be some embarrassing things you don't want to say, but communication can save a lot of time and a lot of um, disconnects in the relationships. So as a successful working stylist, you're really out here making moves. What do you look for when you're hiring interns or um, assistants to help you out on your team? Like, What are some do's and don'ts to approaching a stylist to working for you? Because I know, well, I'm sure you get a lot of people saying, like, oh, my God, like, I love your work. I do get a lot of people um, actually saying that and, like, submitting their resumes. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. I'm like, you guys take me seriously, so I have to take you seriously. And I'm going to get back to you in a timely manner. Um a lot of a lot of people who want to work with me, they don't live in Los Angeles. So I say, well, send me your resume. If I have a shoot when you're in town, you can come on set and you can shadow me to get mm. to get experience. Like I have no problem with doing that. I really look for a reliable, a reliable person who's reliable. Um, when we're on set, like very professional mm-hmm. because sometimes it's a closed set. You can't have your phone out. You can't be recording things. And posting things yeah. um, before the before it's supposed to be out, especially that, for editorials. Yeah, for editorials, that's a huge no. That can that can scrap the whole mm-hmm. project if anything it gets leaked. Just be very professional. I may work with a uh, a lot of different celebrities, so don't fan out. You know, if you if you want to have a moment with the with the celebrity, just wait till everything is over. You don't want to make them feel uncomfortable during the process of this art and this magic being made you know that may put a damper in the whole 
the whole thing. So just professionalism and um, being on time and just communicating and just putting your A, is bringing your A game on every project. Like being an assistant, people try to act like that's a bad job. Like you have to learn. Like there are people who don't want to do anything but be an assistant mm -hmm. and they make a lot of money. Sometimes assistants make more money than an actual stylist. Like just the main stylist. If you really do it right, you know? Because right, you, you can assist a bunch of different people and you're yeah. getting a bunch of different connections and you're making money from each each stylist. So yeah. yeah, that's what I look for. And I always say um, intern with as many stylists as you can because every stylist has their own methods of doing the same job and it's pretty great when you get to learn different ways to do it because that way you get to find what works for you mm -hmm. instead of just knowing one way and you never snap out of that right. so definitely but I also wanted to say um, when you brought up like fanning out with the celebrities on set like that's a major no-no and I actually know of a intern who assisted one of my stylist friends and she posted like a selfie with her and the celebrity on Instagram and it was just like Please don't ever <laughs> do that because you will be found and yeah. you will not be rehired. Right, that so. happens. <laughs> I had a situation to where I had to intern and I was like, let's, let's go, you know, we're working, a, we're doing a cover today. And at the end of the shoot, the editor, the, uh, the editor was right there talking to me and is getting behind the scenes. And I look over and they're like, hey, I'm here with such and such, we, uh, we live. At the photo shoot, I was like, oh, oh my God. God. That's a huge no-no because that's, I'm bringing you on set. So yeah. they're looking at me. Like, it's a reflection it's of a the reflection stylist. Of me, like, who yeah. are these unprofessional people that are making this celebrity feel unco uncomfortable? They don't have on any makeup anymore. Um, oh, and you're going to lie and you didn't ask anyone. So it was just like, you just have to communicate in every set is different mm -hmm. you're gonna have sets where it's very outgoing and people don't care and then you're gonna have sets where it's very strict and people do not play that you would be put off of set mm -hmm. so i don't ever want to bring on anyone that's going to really wreck my ship like we're supposed to be rising together and uplifting each other and you're supposed to know how to conduct yourself in different environments yes. celebrity no celebrity just and that goes back to being professional at all times. Keep it tight. Pe yeah. yeah, people think because it's fashion, it's I can get away with anything, or I can mm -hmm. be casual, but no, it's really a business at the end of the day. It is. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, great advice. So before you go, tell us what's next for you in the near future. What should we look out for? So I'm going to be releasing some pieces. I'm gonna be releasing a capsule this year oh wow and i'm really excited about it i cannot wait for you guys to see these pieces they're amazing um <laughs> they describe my personal style so much and i want to just be able to have people just purchase pieces that i love some of my favorite pieces like you guys are going to be so excited when, when i drop these these pieces and i'm going to get into a little bit more of modeling and um influencer work and working with the youth foundations and just community service. I'm going to be doing a lot of that this year. Nice. I love that. Always giving back. Yes. Oh, that's very important yeah. to me. Like, that's, that fuels my heart, fuels my soul. Incredible. There you go. So I've truly enjoyed our conversation, and I know that our listeners are going to really appreciate all of the valuable 
advice you've given and the gems gems that you've been dropping. So thank you so much for being on today. You're welcome. Thank you, Fashion Mentor, for having me. You guys are amazing. I support everything you guys do. You guys are killing it in the game. And I'm so blessed to be a part of this situation right now. Thank you so much. Well, this has been another episode of the Fashion School Dropout, meant to inspire and motivate you to pursue your fashion career goals. So be sure to subscribe and leave a review, and we'll catch up with you guys next time.